0: Well, we're continuing on right where we left off last week uh, in uh, the Gospel of Mark. If you'll recall, last week we saw the, what's called, referred to as the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, we remember that there were really more than 5,000 people there, that uh, that was just 5,000 men. And we know there were children there, we know there were women there. So there was a lot of people that were fed at that time. Now uh, there was there's this continuation is another miracle that is uh, I mean actually there's two miracles it's just labeled uh, Jesus walks on water, but he also calms a storm, doesn't he? And the thing is is that. Uh, these things are connected, This the order of all of these things. We keep seeing uh, the uh, just the, the power of Jesus being magnified more and more. He uh, heals the sick, and then he raises the dead when it comes to Jairus' daughter. And then we see him feed 4,000, and now we see him feed 5,000. We see him... Uh, cast a demon out, and we see him cast thousands of demons out. So we keep seeing things getting bigger and bigger as far as the signs and wonders that are supposed to be telling us Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. and uh, But for some reason, Things get mixed up. And I just wanted, and like I say, it was the first one that we looked at last week was called the feeding of the 5,000. But it wasn't really, if you really look at it, the message wasn't tied into the miracle of the multiplying of the bread. What's really going on is those people were hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And they found that Jesus gave these words that brought life to their souls. And so they sought him and they rushed around to, to hear him. And uh, they got there and they were listening to him. And then it got late and there was no time uh, for them to go get food. And the Lord had him, had the 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 disciples feed those that had gathered there. And the thing is, the the crowd, they sought the Lord, and the Lord says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these other things are going to be added to you. He says before that, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Your heavenly father knows you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, they had done that. They sought first his kingdom. They disregarded eating even because they had an opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him. And they took him up. They took him up on that opportunity that he gave them. And when it came time to eat, they didn't have to worry about it. The now notice the disciples worried about it because they felt responsible for this crew, and uh, they—and so. But the disciples were fretting about it. The other people were just taking in what was going on, and they were blessed because they were seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, and those other things. That other people worry about? The food got taken care of. And so now then they are toiling in a boat. Jesus sent them away first. The disciples were the apostles we might say. And uh, this was close to evening whenever he sent them away. And then he went up into a mountain to pray. The disciples had to go uh, to where their boat was and then they got in the boat and then it says at the fourth watch which would have been about three o'clock in the morning the disciples were about halfway across the sea this, uh, this, this, this lake or what anyway they are about four miles out it was eight miles across to the other side and Jesus up on the mountain saw them out there. It says that the wind was opposed to them. The wind was blowing against them. And so they were rowing and rowing and having a really hard time, not making much headway at all. And so, but Jesus saw them. Now, this is four o'clock in the morning. Now, where I live now, uh, at four o'clock in the morning, there are street lights out there and there's all this light, but they didn't have street lights back then. They didn't have searchlights going across. And yet, Jesus, in the darkest part of the night, and in one of the darkest moments in these uh, apostles' lives, he saw them. And they were right where he sent them. Remember, he's the one that sent them out there. And so here they are struggling halfway across and uh, he sees them. He didn't have night vision goggles either. He had divine vision. He could see them out there. And then he uh, went out to them. And it says, and this is where there are two things I'm going to lift out of this passage today. Number one, it said it looked like he was going to pass them by. It seemed like he was going to just walk on by them and he's walking on the water. But they and they thought he was a ghost. And when they cried out, then he turned toward them and he got in the boat with them. If they were still thinking he was a ghost, I bet that really scared him to death. But uh, the thing is, is that uh, um, you know he said, "It is I," and what he says is, "Ego, a me," and what that means is, "I am that I am." We've heard that before, back at a burning bush, I think it was. Whenever God told Moses who he was. Those are the exact words. And here is the Lord of all, of all creation, who has the wind and the waves at his command, walking across the water. And he says, it is I. It appeared that he was going to be walking on by them. Sometimes, You may wind up having storms in your life. In fact, some of you may be going through storms right now. And it may seem like the Lord is just ignoring you. It may seem that uh, that he just doesn't really care about your little problem, which is really a big problem in your life right now. Just like they had a big problem. They had a storm in their life. And Jesus comes on the scene. Now remember, he'd already spotted them. He'd been, he sent them out there. He was watching them. And now then, he walks by and he comes and he gets in the boat with them. They cried out. And whenever they cried out, he was there. And so uh, the thing is, you may think he's forgotten you, but he hasn't. You may think he doesn't care, but he does. The thing is, they were in that storm because he had brought them to it. And if you don't take anything away from this today, just remember this. If he brought you to it, he's going to see you through it. You got that? Let's say that together. If he brought you to it, He's going to see you through it. That's the truth. With all the years now that my wife and I have served the Lord, we have been through so many different disasters in our lives. And somehow the Lord has gotten us through every one of them so that we can stand here in good health before you today. And we can proclaim, yes, he got us through it. But uh, the thing is, if he brought you to it, he'll see you through it. If you are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, he's going to make a way. They hadn't gained any insight. Now, this is the second thing. I'd never really paid any attention to this before, where it says that at the the very end, and I want to get this exactly right. And as I'm getting to it, to get it exactly right, I want you to remember that these are the words of Peter conveyed to us through Mark. Mark spent several years going around as Peter's interpreter. And he told these stories over and over again but so in the gospel, of Mark could just as easily be called the gospel of Peter because Mark is celebrating with us and sharing with us the words that Peter had spoken to the disciples back then. We get to hear the same words that the disciples way back then heard as Peter spoke. And he says this at the very end. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped. All of a sudden, the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished. Now, why did that surprise them? He's already calmed a storm for them once before. They've seen him do so many different things. They've even gone out, and under his authority, they have cast out demons, and they've healed the sick. And now then when the water when the wind stops they are just flabbergasted. But this this is and this is Peter's confession. Listen to this for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves but their heart was hardened. Somehow They were supposed to have learned something from the incident of the loaves. Have you ever noticed that? They were supposed to have learned something and they hadn't learned it. And so uh, they wind up because they hadn't learned back then from the incident of the loaves. It says their hearts were hardened. Now then, two things here. What's the lesson they were supposed to have learned? And the disciples, the apostles have hardened hearts. Now, whenever we think of a hardened heart, we think of uh, something that like we'd hear in the old Ray Charles song, Hard-Hearted Hannah. Do y'all remember that song? Hard-Hearted Hannah, the vamp of Savannah, G.A. Uh, let's see here. Anyway, okay. Let's see. I know there's one line in it uh, where... Uh, I saw her at the ocean with a great big pan. She was there pouring water on a die on a drowning man. Hard-hearted Hannah, the vamp of Savannah. And whenever we hear hard-hearted, we think of evil. We think of, uh, of, of somebody that just has an evil heart, don't we? But the thing is, the word having their hearts hardened here, refers to the fact that they they had a calloused heart. Yes, they their heart wasn't open and it wasn't filled with faith. And so they were missing the things of God that he was trying to teach them. Some people have referred to this, uh, the Greek word, pooro as a Uh, kind of depicting like the sole or the bottom of an elephant's foot that has calluses built up on it. Whenever uh, something is calloused, it's inflexible. It's uh, impermeable. Things can't get through. And this is the way that Peter is confessing his heart was. Now, if you'll notice the title of this sermon, it's P-B-P-W-M-G-I-N-T-W-M-I. And uh, I know that Jamie knows what this means, but uh, any of the rest of y'all, know, and I know Sharon knows what it means. Do any of the rest of you know what that means? Well, that's a shame because about five years ago, I shared this with you. <laughs> but uh, what it means is please be Patient with me. God isn't through with me yet. And there we can take hope and we can draw hope from the fact that Peter can confess here. My heart was hardened. It wasn't soft and pliable before the Lord as it should be. There were things that were missing, things I wasn't seeing. And this is all of us, isn't it? All of us, as we go through life, we start out with hardened hearts. Just about, we start off as children, being open to the people around us and uh, being trusting. And uh, I just love to hear my grandkids talk about the Lord, and uh, and I just that it's just such a blessing to have grandkids and and just see. Their openness toward people, their trust in people. And then due to betrayal, disappointment, abuse, and all those things that come along in life, hearts hearts begin to harden. And they harden because people put up walls, because people don't like being hurt. And so our hearts get calloused. A calloused heart is a lonely heart because it can't share itself deeply with those around it and it can't share itself and draw from the Lord. But we all wind up with these hardened hearts, just like Peter did. Another thing about uh, Peter is uh, he leaves something out of this story. This is the story where he walks on water for a bit, and then he starts to sink. So Matthew was sure to include this just for our benefit, but this was something that Peter wasn't really proud of, was he? He nearly was on the right path, and then he began to sink. And so Matthew makes sure, and Peter, he looked around and began to sink, you know. Uh, John, Peter doesn't mention the fact that John beat him to the tomb on Easter morning, does he? But John, sure, I won that race. You know, he makes sure that, uh, that Peter's uh, losing that race uh, is noticed. But Peter doesn't mention that. But listen to what he does mention. He mentions our hearts were hardened. None of the other disciples mentioned this. I think this is another one of the reasons why we have four gospels is because the different aspects bring out different points. Peter, my heart was hardened. Our hearts were hardened. And so Mark says their hearts were hardened. Later on, much on down the line, Peter says he's never going to desert Jesus. He's never going to say any he's never going to forsake him and then before the cock crows three times Peter denies him. Peter includes that story. Mark includes that story. And it's included in God's word to show us that even after we have been with the Lord for quite a while, we still have a way to go. It takes a while for a hardened heart to be softened. In fact, it takes an entire lifetime and it is still being softened. The calluses is being removed. Even at the end of our lives, we continue to grow And so we've got to realize God isn't through with us yet because there's so much that needs to be uh, received and so much that needs to be removed, so much we still need to be delivered from. But uh, what we do, and the only thing we can do, is first of all, how, where you? Whenever Jesus said, he said, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you do two things. First of all, you've got to be converted. He says, unless you're converted, and the second thing, become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Being converted means turning around and away from the way that the world handles things. I can remember whenever I got to that point, when I realized that if I was going to follow the Lord, I was going to have to do the things that the Lord told me to do. And I had to tell him, I said, but Lord, if I'm going to start loving, like you want me to love people, I'm going to have to share myself with those around me. And I'm going to have to let my guard down. And I might get hurt. And I've shared with you all before, the Lord's response to that was, yeah, I know 11 out of 12 ain't bad. You miss out on so many good relationships and so many blessings when you live a guarded life. And so here he tells us You know, we need to let our guard down. We need to let the Lord in because the walls that you put up to keep people from hurting you also keep the Lord from being able to help you. And so what lesson were they supposed to learn at this time? They were supposed to learn the same lesson that we're supposed to learn. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things that you worry about are going to be taken care of. They're now out there in a storm. And they were supposed to be trusting that the Lord was going to get them through the storm. They reached a dilemma there where the people needed to be fed. And it got taken care of. Now they've reached a dilemma where they've got a storm going. And the Lord took care of the storm. But they had no faith in the Lord as they were about his business. He brought them to it and then he saw them through it. They didn't have to go through it scared to death. They could have gone through it in faith and in trust with a peace in their heart, even though they still had to row really hard. But still, they could have had peace in their heart so as long you know I've, I've, I've anyway i read a story the other day i didn't read it the other day i've read it years and years ago about a farmer that was looking for a hand and this guy came up uh, applying for the job to be his uh his farm hand and uh the guy asked him, well you ever done any farm work with oh yes sir I said well uh what qualifications do you have? And the guy said, I can sleep in a storm. And the guy couldn't, the farmer thought, well, that's a weird response, but I don't see any other applicants. You're hired. So he went ahead and took him on. And then a big storm came up after the guy had been working for him for about four days. Huge storm was brewing. And it was nighttime when the storm came up and the wind started blowing and the farmer was uh, just in a panic, and he uh, discovered that the farmhand was sound asleep. And he runs out, and sure enough, all the cattle are gathered in. All the, the doors are secured. Everything is battened down. Everything is just exactly where it should be to be secure in the storm. And the thing is, That farmhand knew to do things when you could. You do the right thing at the right time. And then when the storms come, you can take a nap. And so he could sleep in a storm because he had taken care of the things when they were supposed to be taken care of. Instead of having to hurry up and catch up with stuff at the last minute. And this is the way it is with us. And that's what seeking first the kingdom of God's about. You do what you know he wants you to do whenever he uh, wants you to do it. And then you can sleep in the storm. You can be at peace when the wind is howling around you. I also read several years ago, somebody said, uh, as long as there are tests, there will be prayers in schools. Because uh, the thing is, and the thing is, why do kids have to, in well, even in college? Oh God, you know, help me with this test. Why is that? Because we didn't really do what we were supposed to do when we were supposed to do it. If we'd studied along the way like we were supposed to, it would have just been a refresher instead of a cramming. And so uh, that's just the human nature, though. So. Um, But the thing is, we are, as you are following him and you're doing what he's told you to do, you're going to come up with storms in your life. And when you do know he has brought you to it, he's going to see you through it. Uh, We're told, in fact, the Lord told us in this world, you will have tribulation you will have trouble face you. Then he says, but fear not for I have overcome the world. Another place in scripture is many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So who you are and who he is, That's the thing that uh, Peter needed to get down. Who was Peter in connection with Jesus? He was a sheep in the fold of the Good Shepherd. And uh, he could follow the Good Shepherd and trust that as he was following the Good Shepherd, the Good Shepherd was going to take care of him in the midst of the things that came up in his life. Yeah, we're going to have loaves and fishes, but uh, we also have something more. We have more than just the loaves and fishes to learn from today. We have a cross. We have a cross that tells us just how much God loves us and just how much the Good Shepherd cares about each one of us. We had a great dilemma and uh, we were caught in sin and we were going to die in sin, separated from God. But the Good Shepherd paid the price he delivered us. The great shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. And the resurrection proves that that has taken place and that your sin has been forgiven. And uh, so death no longer is a great calamity. Now then, death is a gateway, a doorway to into more life. And we can face death. We can face all sorts of dilemmas in life without fear because we have a good shepherd who's already taken care of and will take care of what we have going on in our lives.